like to uh, to turn to the uh, book of Acts, <clears throat> and I'm uh, reading from Acts chapter three, and beginning at verse one. Acts chapter three, and beginning at verse one. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray together as we come to open up God's word this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can read about your work, about your miracles, and help us to be as filled with wonder and amazement at what we read as what those people saw. Father God, speak into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives, and into our church, we pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit working in and through us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last uh, few Sunday mornings, we've been working our way uh, through the early chapters of Acts. We started uh, a few weeks ago, and we're looking at Acts chapter 1, at the ascension of Jesus, when Jesus uh, left the disciples, uh, uh, with that commission that they were going to be his witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea and the rest of the world. And then of course we looked at uh, Pentecost and uh, we saw how the Holy Spirit came and filled uh, the disciples and how they were able to speak in different languages and how Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, spoke to the crowds that were gathered and 3,000 people uh, became Christians that day. And then a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were looking at Acts, the end of Acts chapter 2, and uh, looking at the fellowship of believers, and we saw how the church uh, started to organise and uh, arrange itself uh, around uh, the, the uh, preaching and teaching of the apostles, around uh, the prayer, uh, around meeting the needs of others. And uh, this week we're carrying on, and uh, we're moving into Acts chapter 3. And uh, we're looking at this story about Peter and John and uh, the lamed man. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, uh, half term. Uh, uh, Susan and I went to St Anne's, 
and uh, we stayed in a travel lodge in St. Anne's, I don't know if you know it, it's, it's, it's just over uh, Marks and Spencer's and, and Costa Coffee uh, is right underneath and it will surprise some of you to, to know that uh, I went down into Costa Coffee and there you are, you can see me, it was a lovely uh, sunny day, not like today, it was a lovely sunny day and I sat there having a, a cup of coffee and uh, after a while Susan disappeared into Marks and Spencer's and uh, for quite a while actually but uh, she went into Marks and Spencer's and uh, I noticed outside Marks and Spencer's uh, well I was sat right next to Marks and Spencer's door there was a guy there uh, selling the big issue and uh, you'll be pleased to know I bought a copy of it um, but it, it reminded me of this story of the lame man uh, sitting out in the temple gates because it seems to me if you're going to sell a, a copy of a, a, the big issue or you're going to be asking for money actually Marks and Spencer's is quite a good shop to uh, to sit out of, outside of he, he could have sat outside Tesco or one of the charity shops but I think he'd chosen uh, a good position uh, to sit uh, and I observed uh, this guy and I, I noticed the people uh, and their reaction and uh, this was, uh, this was where this uh, guy's, this lame man's family uh, brought him. Now a man crippled from birth uh, was being carried to the temple gate where he was put every day. Uh, at the beginning of chapter 3 it says one day. Uh, Luke doesn't, doesn't say which day it was in, in, in Acts chapter 2. He goes to uh, great lengths to make sure that we know that uh, when the day of Pentecost came... Uh, we, kind of, we, we, we can tell when it was but here it was just one day it was just an ordinary day uh, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray as was their daily habits their daily ritual and this man's daily ritual was that his, his friends or his family would bring him to the temple gate and he would sit and uh, he would seek uh, people's money and uh, it was just an ordinary day uh, they carried him to the same spot where he always sat every day um, it was just another day. The sky wasn't any bluer. The birds weren't singing any louder. The sun wasn't shining any brighter. It was just another day, like any other day. But by the time this day had finished, it would not be like any other day in this man's life. Because God has this habit of sometimes putting an extra in front of the ordinary. And this man's day was going to turn out to be an extraordinary day. But the point I want to make out is at the beginning of the day, it started like any other day. Just like today. It's just another Sunday. And who knows what might happen. Peter and John were on their way to the temple. Uh, and here is this lame man. Now when I say he's a lame man, we need to uh, understand what we mean by uh, lame, because sometimes we use the word lame in, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, this man was crippled, we're told, from birth. He could not walk. Um, and uh, Peter and John, uh, attention is drawn to the lame man uh, when the lame man starts talking. Peter and John's attention is drawn to the lame man uh, when, he, uh, when he starts talking. He asks them for some money, we're told. I don't know whether you've been in that situation where you've uh, maybe been walking through a town centre. I guess we've all been in that situation, haven't we? Uh, and we've seen somebody sitting in a, in a doorway 
uh, maybe with a, a hat or a, a bowl or whatever. And uh, what do we do? I guess many of us have, uh, have had that experience of walking past, haven't we? Uh, do you notice the first thing? First thing I notice is that Peter looks straight at him. You know, going back to St. Anne's when I was sat outside Costa enjoying my coffee, uh, the guy selling the big issue, one of the things I noticed was he tried to make eye contact with people. Uh, he spoke to every single person while I was there that entered Marks and Spencers with either a good morning, hello, and he was desperately trying to get their attention. Most of the people kind of averted their look. You know, they looked anywhere else other than where this man was. They either suddenly became very interested in something that was on the ground or they were kind of looking, they were looking anywhere other than where this man was. Uh, Peter and John looked straight at him. There's something, isn't there, about giving people eye contact, about acknowledging that they're there. Even if you don't give a homeless person some money, at least acknowledge that they're there. One or two people did. There was obviously some, some regulars that came into Marks and Spencers and they entered into conversation with him and that was nice. But I noticed not many people bought the big issue from him. Not many people. Uh, Peter and John, the first thing I noticed is that they actually acknowledged this man's existence. You know, so many people in our world, in our society, just want to be noticed. They want people to notice them. They want people to see the situation that they find themselves in and to acknowledge uh, their need. And Peter and John do that. They look at him. They look at him. Not only that, they look at him, but they tell, they ask the, the man to look at them and uh, engage in this conversation. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. He was asking for money. And uh, I guess he was, his expectance was that maybe Peter and John would throw a few coins uh, in his direction. Funny thing, isn't it, uh, expecting? I came across this little story about this, uh, this guy uh, whose wife was, uh, was expecting. And uh, the minister said uh, to him, uh, you know, how is uh, Jane? She's pregnant. And the, the husband-to-be, the father-to-be, rather, replied, well, actually, she's not pregnant, she's expecting. The minister said, well, well what's the difference between being pregnant and expecting? And, and John says, well, she's expecting me to cook dinner, she's expecting me to do the housework, she's expecting me to, to rub her feet, uh, she's expecting. Well, this man was expecting, he was expecting a few coins, that's all he was expecting few coins because Peter and John had stopped and acknowledged him and entered into this conversation told him to look at them and he was looking expectantly but what was he expecting I wonder when we come to church whether we are what are we expecting are we expecting to have a, a dynamic encounter with the living God are we expecting the Holy Spirit to suddenly fall upon us and do wonderful things, or are we just expecting uh, something a little bit less, like the lame man? Perhaps just one or two people might acknowledge us and enter into conversation with us. What is our expectance this morning as we gather for worship? How expectant are we? 
Well, the man was uh, expecting something, but he, he certainly wasn't expecting what he was going to get. And that's the thing with God. You never know, do you? You just never know. You never know when he's going to show up and when he's not. You never know. You see, because we can't, we can't control God. Uh, we can arrange a, a worship service. We can praise God. Uh, we can worship God. We can look at his word. But we never really know what God is going to do. Can be frustrating, can be exciting. Uh, but here we go. The man is expecting to get something from them. Do you know one of the things that, I, that it struck me is our greatest opportunities to minister people may well be outside the temple gates. Peter and John could have so easily turned to the guys and they could have acknowledged him and said, but we're really busy because we're on our way to pray uh, because that's more important than you. And our greatest opportunities to minister will probably not fall within these walls. Our greatest opportunities to minister will probably be outside the temple gates. If we have eyes to see people and the needs that they have. If we can stop just for a moment and look at people and engage with them. And see if there's something that we can do to meet the need that they have. Our greatest opportunity to minister to people may well fall outside the temple gates. So the lame man's talking. Uh, he's asking for something. Interesting, isn't it? He's not really asking for what he really needs. Not actually asking for what he really needs. He's asking for money. Not that he doesn't need money, uh, but the guy's lame. He's been lame from birth. He's outside the temple gates. Outside the house of God. And he's asking for money, but he's not really asking for what he really needs. I wonder, dare we ask God for what we really need? Or do we ask God for small change? Dare we ask God for our greatest need? Or do we settle for small change? So the lame man's talking, but the lame man's soon going to be walking. The lame man's talking, but he doesn't know that soon he's going to be walking. Um, Peter and John looking at the man acknowledging the man are going to at first disappoint the man because the man's looking expectantly he's perhaps you know getting his little begging bowl ready to receive some coins maybe even some notes and Peter's first words must have been a bit of a damper silver and gold I do not have and you can imagine the guy thinking oh dear me and already his gaze is going on to the next person coming along. These people haven't got any, any money. Um, they've not got anything of use for me. Silver and gold I do not have. Um, if we just pause there for a moment, because it's so easy, isn't it, to focus on what we don't have. I don't have a Porsche 911 Turbo. I've not got one. <laughs> Couldn't afford to fill it with petrol if I did have one. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't have a season ticket for Manchester United. I don't have a season ticket for Man United. I don't have a holiday home in the Caribbean. I don't have millions of pounds in a bank account. 
Easy, isn't it, to focus on what we don't have. And there's a sense in which the world encourages to focus on things that we don't have. And it tells us, this is what you need. And it's things that we don't have. But if we bring it down to a kind of our own level, it's easy as a church to focus on what we don't have. Uh, we might well say at this moment in, in the life of this church, silver and gold, we don't have a lot of it. Uh, money is tight. And it's easy that our minds become focused on the things that we haven't got. But what do Peter and John say? They, they very swiftly, they don't pause uh, too long because they go straight into silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. We can only give what we have. We can only give what we have. So many people in, in, in church, you know, say, well, I'm... I'm I'm just a member of the congregation. I don't have much. I can't do this. I can't do that. Uh, I'm just this and I'm just that. And so often we play down because we look at other people and perhaps we think they've got so much more than those. I don't have those gifts. I don't have those abilities. I can't play the piano. I can't play the saxophone. I can't play the guitar. Um, And it's so easy to focus on what we can't do and what we see other people do. But Peter and John, they say... But what I have, I give you. And you know, what we have is enough. Because it's what God has given us. The gifts that God has given you are enough for what God wants you to do. He wants you to use what you have and be willing to give what you have to others. But what I have, I give to you. But what I have, I give to you. We need to quit telling God what we don't have and start focusing on what we do have. Because we have the same unstoppable, unlimited power of the Holy Spirit that these first disciples had. Peter and John, remember... We don't know when it was, it was one day, it was an ordinary day, but they were full of the Holy Spirit. They were walking to the temple full of the Holy Spirit. And that gave them an awareness of other people. It made them notice things that perhaps other people didn't notice. It made them stop and see this man's need. And think, we can do something about this. We don't have any silver or gold. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, we'll give you what we've got. We'll give you what we've got. Thomas Aquinas, a religious leader of another generation, once visited the Pope and was shown all the treasures of the Roman church. The Pope said to Thomas, well, Thomas, no longer can the church say silver and gold, I have none. Thomas replied, yes, Holy Father, but have you ever thought that the church is in danger of also not being able to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk? Somebody said that this man was just asking for arms and Peter and John gave him legs. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. You know, when I was sat in that uh, Costa Coffee uh, and I brought this uh, big issue off this guy and you kind of feel good about yourself, don't you? You kind of think, oh, I've I've done my little bit. I've given him two pounds. Wow. Uh, But as I sat there, in my heart, you know, I wanted to do more for this man. And, uh, 
But I didn't have the guts to go up to him and say, I want to pray for you. I prayed silently, but I didn't have the guts. Really, what I wanted to do is go and lay hands on this man and ask God's blessing on him. But I didn't have the guts, I'll be honest to you. And there's a sense in which um, I, I think we've lost something, haven't we? We've lost something of the boldness. Have you noticed? It's interesting sometimes when you look at this text, and I've been living with this text for a while because it's been on my mind ever since that encounter with the homeless man. It's been kind of rattling around my brain. And you notice that they don't really pray for him, do they? They don't kind of lay hands on him and have a little prayer meeting. They just say, get up and walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Dare we? Would we dare to do that? I'm not sure that we would. Have we lost confidence somewhere along the line? Perhaps we've concentrated too much on the the silver and gold that we haven't got. uh, Where actually there's more important things that we need to have. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to have that awareness of what God is calling us to do. It could be God disastrously wrong, couldn't it? That's, That's why we're frightened, isn't it, to be honest? We're frightened because we've perhaps experienced praying for people and it hasn't worked. And it's put us off having another go. And whenever people come to me, I, I will offer to pray for them. I'll never promise a healing. And maybe that's a lack, my lacking in faith. Maybe, I don't know. But Peter and John just speak to this man. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then they help him up. And immediately... This man's ankles and legs are strengthened. There's no doubt, you know, we've all been to kind of meetings and people say, oh yeah, you know, someone will come up to me after service and tell me something about healings. But they're always a little bit, you know, not very identifiable. You know, somebody had a bit of a bad back and it was better or a creak in the knee or something like this. There was no doubt that this man had been healed. This was a miracle. Everybody knew it. Later on, when he goes into the temple, everybody recognises the man who sat by the beautiful gate and he was suddenly able to walk. There was no doubt. When God moves, when God works, works, he doesn't leave people in doubt about what he's doing. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Lame man walking. This lame man is walking. Um, But once he's up on his feet, once he's up on his feet, there's, there's kind of no stopping him. Uh, he doesn't stop at walking, he starts, he starts leaping. And um, he goes with uh, Peter and John into the temple courts, goes with them. Before this man was healed, he was on the outside. He was placed outside the temple gates couldn't go any further in Jewish belief and custom if somebody was in his condition it was thought of as to be a result of some sin in their lives do you remember when Jesus in John 9 heals the man uh, who was blind from birth and when they see him the disciples say to Jesus you know is it this man's fault or is it his parents fault that he's this way and Jesus replies and says no this is so that my father can be glorified This man was outside of the temple gates. And now Peter and John, they don't just give him physical healing. They give him spiritual healing because they're able to take him with them into the temple gates, into the temple courts. And when he gets into the temple courts, what does he do? 
uh, walking and jumping and praising God. Leaping around, you can imagine it. Now at this point, some of us perhaps want to break into song, don't we? Josh, have you got your guitar? <laughs> walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, we've sung that song, haven't we, some of us? Uh, some of us are thankful we don't sing it anymore. But, uh, but there we go, he's, he's walking and, and jumping and praising God. And there's a kind of a progression, isn't there, in what happens to this man. At first they help him up and he can walk. And then he jumps and leaps. And then he praises God. And everybody there saw him walking and praising God. They recognised him. Why? Because they'd walked past him. Every day. They'd seen this man walk past him. A lot of them hadn't really acknowledged him. That's why they recognised him. Because they'd seen him every day. And now he was walking and leaping and praising God. And these people were filled with wonder and amazement about what had happened. I wonder when was the last time we left the temple full of wonder and amazement about what God had done, about what God had said. God was at work. God is at work. And we need to have the eyes to see what God is doing. We need to have the ears to hear what God is saying. And we need to follow in the example of Jesus and his disciples in attempting to do the things that God calls us to do. Right at the beginning of the book of Acts, Luke tells us that the disciples continue to do the things that Jesus did. And that's what we're called to do, to follow Jesus in leading people, helping people, praying for people, and bringing people back to the temple. The man was talking, asking, and he was walking, and then he was leaping. Wouldn't it be great? if we too could leave this place full of wonder and amazement because God was in the house. Let's pray together.